Um, welcome to church. I'm Pastor Corey. This is Pastor Aaron. If we haven't met, please come and meet us. Uh, you know why we get worried is because we spend so much time with the counterfeit that we forget what the real thing looks like. And God doesn't say like, hey, check out the counterfeit and unwind all of the arguments. You come in, you're burdened with something. You're burdened with your past. You're burdened with your addiction. You're burdened with the government. There is one name given under heaven by which man can be saved. And that name is the name of Jesus. Stop studying all the counterfeit things and hoping you're going to find hope out there. There is nothing out there. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. This is going to help somebody. This is going to help somebody. Two opposing things can't both be equally be true. That's right. My dad's generation knew that. Two plus two equals four, or it equals something else, but it can't be both. And there's something in you that you came in with that you're, you believed when you walked in here, or you were afraid of when you walked in here, or you're struggling with when you walked in here, that disagrees with God's plan for you, and God's freedom for you, and God's purpose for you, and God's happiness for you. I feel like God today is going to just ask you for that thing. Hey, would you give that up? I want you to be free. You can't be free and believe what kept you in bondage. Two opposing ideas can't both. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Relax. It's in Jesus. Everything that you need is in Jesus. Somebody's marriage is failing right now. I'm going to say this. If it does, you would still have Jesus. Somebody's experienced such a deep grief in their heart right now for their teenager or for somebody in their life is suffering. Jesus is enough. He is always enough. He is everything that we need. He is the all-sufficient one. We could lose everything and have Jesus, and we would be okay. Come on, say amen, Venue Church. Hey, we have a special day today. Um, we're starting our series called Shelter, and we have our special friends, the Honorat family, Pastors Mark and Lisa in the house from Haiti Arise, and their children dispersed abroad. And... Uh, we're going to have them on stage in, in just a moment, um, and we're going to talk about uh, the nation of Haiti. Uh, they uh, run a, an organization called Haiti Arise, and it's a beautiful organization. We're going to uh, talk about it and talk about them. I want to show you how deeply we're connected with them, and um, we're just going to give you an opportunity to get involved in something that I think matters. And Jesus cares about the poor. And if you don't care about the poor, maybe you don't look like Jesus as much as you think that you do. And so there's something about the poor when we remember the things that are on God's heart, that God starts like, okay, now I can fix you. Health is for helping. And there's some things that God wants to unwind in your life that if your own personal happiness is your only leverage, it won't be enough for God to get down to what really needs to get fixed. Why you, why you need to get past the brokenness and the hurt in your life right now and past the betrayal and past all the things is because God wants you to help the next person not have to go through that at all or somebody who is going through that to help them through it and say, hey, no, there's light. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Just hang on. Just hold on. Just get to church. Come on, somebody. Shut me down. All right. Um, it's Father's Day next week. We have some special plan that's going to be good. I'm going to be talking about men. You know, the, the devil went after men, because if he can get men out of the picture, then he can get everybody else too. 
And uh, there's something that God designed men for that's protective and that's powerful and that's pure and that's awesome. And uh, I'm going to preach about men next week, so don't, don't cancel me, y'all. Um, it's going to be great. Uh, I just also want to let you know that uh, Anya and Adozi, Adozi is having a great Father's Day. They just had a baby. So, you know what I love about that? And the reason that I'm saying that is because Anya was serving here two days before she had the baby. And y'all are like, I'm too important and busy to serve on a dream team. And she's like, my baby's the best blessed baby. I was here sitting one, serving one. There's pizza with pastors today. Please, if you've never come and sat with us, uh, Pastor Aaron and I, uh, and there's pizza guys. So all the guys are in. Okay. But if you've never taken your relationship with your church further, we don't want to just date you. We want you to get involved. And some of us, you know, we see the people giving. Some of us give of our resources, but we don't give of our time yet. Um, it's, a, it's a package deal. So you don't want to go into the fight with only a jab. So we want to give you an uppercut too. And, and when your time is in the house of the Lord, there's so many things that God can only fulfill when your time and resources are in the house of the Lord. We just want to be able to answer some questions about church too. If you grew up in a weird church culture, uh, sorry about that, I guess. I don't know. It's not like I was there. I was there for some of us actually. <laughs> sorry about the weird church culture. That No, um, but like we're pretty upfront about things and we want to help you trust uh, the process. So if, even if you didn't sign up, just go tell somebody the brick wall and uh, just show up afterwards. It's right upstairs here. We'd love to connect you with your purpose in life. What do they want next to connect you with your purpose in life? What do you want from me? Hey, we're doing pretty good without you, but you need to serve. All right. Um, that's all I'm going to say. Just a little guilt trip. Um, thanks, Sean. You know, um, before we invite uh, pastors Mark and Lisa and Pastor Aaron on stage, we're just going to do a little bit of a Q&A here. But um, I remember one of our trips to Haiti Arise that uh, when, when my dad, I was in my dad's church and Pastor Aaron and I went, we had little kids at the time, didn't we? I feel like we did. Oh my, I'm like a goldfish. Um, I can't remember stuff. Um, but I remember we went there and how many people know a Sean there? Well, you know, because you see him every week, right? Sean and Nasia, where Nasia is she serving? She's serving somewhere. And uh, that's when they were like kind of just dating uh, when we took a team of youth from my dad's church to Haiti Arise. And I remember we, we pulled up in front of, I think it was your house maybe. And we pulled up in front of your house and Nasia found a way to, to squirm. It was like a superhero thing. She got out of the back window of a van because she was so excited to see Sean and she ran in there. And Sean, I remember when I saw him, it was like a hundred degrees outside and Sean was wearing a st- full up, I don't know how you feel about this, Edmonton Oilers jersey. I don't care about hockey, I just want to, I just want to get feel for it. And I, I'm like, Sean, you know, like you have t-shirts and stuff, you don't need to wear this insulated, let's hit the ice and keep warm sort of jersey, but he hadn't done laundry in a, in a little while. He'd been staying there um, for some months, I think, with uh, Pastors Mark and Lisa. Uh, Layden was there. You guys want to hear some Layden stories? Now, I know you see Layden and you're like, what a responsible young man he is. Well, A, he's not. Um, But if you think he's responsible now, you should have met him when he was on the youth group. And here's what I want to say. Somebody here needs to get a vision to see your child or your teenager go to the third world and wreck them for the stupidity that they're facing in the world right now. 
I remember when I went on my first mission trips, I'm like, it wrecked me for stupid. I came back and I'm like, oh, now I care about what matters because God wants you to study the real thing and quit looking at the counterfeit. And the reason that there's so much distraction and ridiculousness in the world is because we stop caring about the poor as a nation. Uh, so Layden goes over there. Back to my funny story. <clears throat> Layden goes over there and he, uh, uh, Layden was great. Teenage boys, right? Am I right? And I remember Layden, every day he'd watch Mrs. Abel all the boys, they just watched Mrs. Abel, who was a little Chinese lady at our church, and she would carry these heavy backpacks to go do kids' ministry in Haiti, at Haiti Rise, and she'd be carrying these heavy backpacks, and finally, I'm just like, hey guys, do you think Mrs. Abel needs practice carrying heavy stuff? Like, she's pretty good at it. Why don't you all practice a little bit? And it's like the switch went on, I'm like, oh, we could help her. But you know what? After that, they got it every time, you know, they'd carry the guitars, they'd do all the things. Layden was hilarious. I mean, he, um, he kept asking me, he seemed to have trouble keeping track of his, the items in his possession. And so he'd, he'd ask me where it was. And finally, I just, I lost it when he asked me like, Pastor Corey, do you know where my toothbrush is? And I'm like, Layden, I don't know where your water bottle is. I don't know where your Bible is. I don't know where your socks are or your underpants and especially your toothbrush. I don't know where any of your crap is. Maybe you look for it. And he's like, oh. Does he know where his toothbrush is now? No, he doesn't. <laughs> it was like two in the afternoon. We got back from serving and it's, it was hot. I was tired. I've been serving and working all morning in the church or whatever we were doing. I came back and, and uh, the guest house we were staying at, it never got below 30 degrees Celsius in there. It was so hot. And, uh, and I, they, the, we had some, uh, we had hired some cooks there to just make us. And so I had, had a bowl of pasta and I put hot sauce in it, but it was like the wrong hot sauce and it was super hot. And I started hiccuping. Everything in my life is like, how bad could it be? Right? Like, how bad could it be? What's the worst thing that could happen? A lot of bad things happen after you say stuff. Like I put this hot sauce in. It was so hot. I was so hungry. I start eating and then I start hiccuping. And so I couldn't even really finish. And I felt so bad. But by the time we were done working that night, we get back. It's 8 o'clock at night. I'm hungry. They served us crab soup. And Layden, the joker over here, is like, hey, let me put some hot sauce in Pastor Soup. And I just went bad cop on him. And I was in a bad mood. When I get hungry, guys, it's not, I'm not a pastor anymore. I'm just like, I'm just unchurched and unsaved and full, full of hate. And I'm just like, Layden, you know, I've always been working so hard all day. And I just went bad cop, bad cop. And while I was lecturing him and keeping his attention, Josh beside him was just feeding the hot sauce into his <laughs> soup. And then Layden starts eating it, and he starts eating it. And he starts, like, sweating. He's like, man, the soup is hot. You're, you're soup hot. And everybody's like, no, our soup is fine. Maybe it's you. <laughs> but eat it, man. You don't want to, like, these people are, they just cooked our food for us. You better eat it. It's disrespectful. Um, anyways, some of the connections you get when you travel with people, but not just when you travel with people and like sit on a beach, but when you travel with people and like do some work that matters in this world, you know, some beautiful things and, and some of the reasons that we're still connected today and with pastors, Mark and Lisa, I lost like 14 passports of the entire team in the airport. That's on me. I found them though. I was buying gum at the counter, and then I, I had to put the passports down. We got them back. Whatever. We got them back. The Lord is... My life is blessed. Um, I remember, though, my first trip through Port-au-Prince, we landed. 
And we were driving right through the slum to get to their compound. I remember driving through the slum and seeing people like going through the garbage to get some food, you know. I remember just the assaults on my senses. I'd been third world before, but I'd never been third world like that before. And I remember driving through there and I had the thought to myself, if I lived here with my girls and I could get them out just in the natural, like if I didn't know Jesus, I would get them out and I'd never come back. I just get them out for a future, just something. And uh, Pastor Mark came from Haiti. He's going to tell you a bit of his story today. But then he went back to Haiti. Now, listen, listen, I'm called to this nation. But I think if we do church right, I think we could feed the third world right here. And if we get church right, I think that we're going to take our responsibility as a church, as a family of God, and feed our poor brothers and sisters. Because in heaven, I don't want to be the guy who can't make contact with somebody that I didn't help. Eye contact. You know what I'm saying? Like, avoid the poor in heaven because we didn't do what we could do. And I'm going to offer you purpose today. And I'm going to offer you a solution to some of the problems you came in with. Because you're trying to fix your problems, but that's not the solution. The solution is to feed the poor and the Lord will cause his light to break over your life. Okay, come on up on stage, Pastor Aaron. Come on, welcome on stage, Pastor Mark and Lisa. You can take, Dale, take this table. We changed our setup from first service, so what are you doing? What else you got out there? Cargo pants, man. It's like, what's that show, Black Widow? It's just the pockets. Do you guys not watch TV? Don't even act like you don't watch TV here. All right. Pastors Mark and Lisa. Um, Pastor Aaron, you want to kick the, question, the questions off? Well, why don't you let everyone know kind of how we met and how long we've known you guys for. Well, welcome, everybody. It's so awesome to be back home. Um, they live yeah. in Florida now to serve the Lord or whatever. So don't hate them. It's just closer to Haiti. That's what they kept telling us, and I'm just going to believe it because it's easier to believe that than to hate them. So we met Pastor Richard and Beth 20 years ago. If you're new, they're my parents, Pastors Richard and Beth. They're retired now, but we call them pastors out of respect. Yeah, uh, at a conference. And um, shortly after, they were organizing our very first team to come to Haiti with us. And we also have our friend Alice here today who was on our very, very first trip um, with my mom and Mark. And, yeah. and so, yeah, we have some history. I think we've had 14 teams over the, over the about a 10-year period from your parents' church um, before a venue came to Airdrie. And then we helped with the church plant here. The they were here, they, like they used to live in town. You guys know them. Yeah. Uh, so if you're new to church, a lot of new people. Yeah, um, we had a small group in our little townhouse. Yeah. It was like, you did, and Pastor Mark, I know he probably wants to say something because he's a preacher. So, um, But well, anyways, because I want to ask you a little bit about your story, but uh, I just want to give, give you a minute to, if you want to say yeah. anything. Well, I just want to say hi and greet you, and it's always awesome to be home. And uh, I just love you guys. And uh, when I am away and, you know, I want to make sure on Sunday I pray for you. I pray for the church. He sends me texts on Sunday mornings like praying for you. And um, I just want to honor Pastor. Well, 
I honor, just honor you guys for your faithfulness, for what God is doing in your life. And uh, I want to honor Pastor Richard and Pastor Beth. And uh, where are they? Are they w- working? Oh, and pa- Pastor Beth, Mom is in the uh, is in the prayer room. Pray. Yeah. So, like my wife said, 20 years ago, in 2003, we went to Haiti to start this ministry. You know, the first church that came alongside with us, it's Pastor Richard and Pastor Beth Church. And uh, worshiping here this morning in the service now, it's the word I heard for you guys is faithfulness. So when you are faithful, God will reward you. God don't reward quitters, people that give up, but you keep going. Those that endure till the end will be safe. So because of what they have sown into our lives, you know, the first seed, God rewarded today. So we honor them. They are pastors. You are pastors. We love you. We love uh, venue. So may God bless you. We remain faithful. Come on, clap. That's, that's good. We love you guys. Now, now, what you may not know about Pastor Mark's uh, story is that, Pastor Mark, you were, um, at the age of five, you were sold as a child slave in Haiti. You were lucky in the sense of blessed that God brought you out of that. But can you just tell us about that a little bit? Because I feel like we have no concept of that in our society yeah. uh, today at all. And so just, just speak into, just tell us the story. Yeah, so... Just to give you just a little glimpse, if I were to tell you about my background, it will take a while. But just to know that God has a call over each one of your lives. You know, I, I was born in a very big family, 15 children. My parents were heavily involved in voodoo. My dad has temples, followers. He was at in our community. So, so if you don't know, um, voodoo was the national religion of Haiti. For how long? 200, 200 years, yeah, I think. Yeah, over 200 years, yeah. So, uh, and then you saw what the enemy really wanted to do to people. Yeah. And so, um, so that's what he's speaking about. That's how real it is there. Yeah, it's all witchcraft. So, going up, I, you know, the devil don't give. The devil destroy, kills takes away we they couldn't feed us they couldn't send us to school as a matter of fact uh, five years old hungry i used to see church, um, chicken hanging on trees dead chicken and you would say why and i well, what's this and they would say well that's sacrifice to the spirits they couldn't feed us send us to school so at five years old they gave me away and became a slave child I was physically abused, verbally abused, no schooling. Seven years as a slave. And uh, one thing that happened to me when I was a slave, that lady who I was a slave to, one day took me to church. And I, I heard this word, Jesus loves you, yes. You know, and I gave my heart to Christ. And that was the journey of where God is taking me. Seven years as a slave, and when I turned 12, 
one of my brothers came to visit and found out the way I was being treated, no schooling. He got me out of slavery and put me in the children's home, in an orphanage. And for the first time, I was able to start kindergarten. In my family, actually, I'm the only one graduate high school. You know, once I get in the children's home, and I, there was a church that was connected to the, to the orphanage, and I said, I'm going to love Jesus with all my heart, and I'm going to take my studies seriously. I want to become someone in life. So I was sponsored by a family from Canada. From Urgery. <laughs> yeah. His, his mom right was in the. Oh, she's right there. Look at her. Yeah. So I, I took my studies seriously and loved Jesus. I graduated high school at 25. They sent me to, to college in Jamaica and then finished there and brought me to Canada to get my degree here. And knowing Haiti, grew up there, we got married. Said, I am going back to, be, to help my own people to change lives. So that's where Haiti comes from. You know, actually, Haiti rise, it means, you know, actively raising individual to serve and evangelize. 20 years ago. Next month is our 20th anniversary for Haiti Arise since we started. And thank you for your faithfulness. 20 years you've, you've, been, you've been there with us. We are making change. Communities are transforming Haiti. You know, we have, like in our elementary school, over 600 children receiving education. <laughs> In our, in our technical school, we're giving young people trade and plumbing. You know, you, you remember you will come down and help fix our electrical. <laughs> yeah, first Oh, it's a sketchy electrical in Haiti, everybody. <laughs> there ain't no codes. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, we have over 400 young people in a tech college. We have a children's village. We have high school. And, you know... We, like uh, every year, we would, Pastor Richard and Pastor Beth start this conference. In 2005, I believe, our first conference for leaders throughout the country started by Pastor Richard and Pastor Beth with us. So you've been there, and, and we just want to thank you. You know, six, over six years now, the church started, and uh, we've been here serving I, I don't feel at home at, in Florida yet, actually. I miss you guys. Good, you can move back. <laughs> yeah, I miss I'll go to Florida. You guys here. So it's, uh, yeah. And, uh, we yeah, love you guys. Thank you, you know, for having us. As the first world in COVID, it's interesting how it landed on everybody here who had never thought that they might die before. But in the third world, they live with that every day. And our response here to COVID cut off the supply to the third world. It cut off the ministry teams, yeah. it cut off resourcing, and the poor got poorer, and the hungry. And so I want to like call this city back to what actually matters. 
And our response has to include the third world because they're our brothers and our sisters. Pastor Aaron, why don't you uh, just ask the next? Sure. First of all, I just want to say thank you for listening to the cry of the nation. Because when you got here, you could have stopped your ears from listening. Thank you for listening to the cry, for accepting the call of God on your lives. And it has cost them a lot. It has cost them a lot as a family and as a couple. And um, you guys have... You've been obedient to the Lord. So some of you guys are missing, like, passion in your lives. you got to receive the call of God. you got to, like, take up the call and be obedient to him. I dare you to go and to come back the same way you went. I dare you. I'll give you your money back. If you pay for a trip down there and you come back and you're the same person that you are, I'll give you your money back. Yeah. So what are the three most pressing needs right now? For Haiti Arise? Well, um, we grappled with this a lot, trying to narrow down what are our major priorities. Three is like, you know, you should be able to have, say that easily, but um, whenever we feel like, okay, this is our priority right now, there's a disaster. And Haiti is right in the line of disasters. We've been through um, our first hurricane in 2005, wiped out the bridge that connected us to the capital. Uh, We had a team there that had to cross by foot over that um, rushing river to get back home. We've had disaster after disaster. The the hurricane, um, Matthew, that wiped out homes in the south. And then um, the earthquake in 2010. We also had another earthquake in August 21. And just last week, there was another hurricane and earthquake. So we're just... Whenever we're like, okay, this year our priorities are we're going to get our high school building finished, we're going to start the foundation of the church, and we're going to finish the next, the quadplex for the children's village. Right now we have three duplexes finished with six families and 30 children in there, but we need more space. Um, Now more than ever, because of COVID and and things like this, and wonderful governments that we won't talk about, but um, there is a huge problem with child trafficking. And not just for um, sexual exploitation, but harvesting their organs. Organs. So now more than ever, children need a safe place to be in a family. Um, So what are our priorities? It's so hard to get down to. Safety. We need safety and security for the people If their security goes up, then people can come. And when people come, their hearts get connected to the poor. And so that's a huge deal. So we need to pray for Yes, huge. Yeah. We haven't been able to take teams for four years now, five almost. And so that's a big one. And I would say on another priority for us, it's church planting. Actually, from, from the start of our vision, our goal is to plant churches over the island. Because we believe that's how Haiti will be transformed, by raising up godly leaders to the country. So those children that we have in the children village, they each have their own testimony. Some of them we found in outhouse. The community will get up in the morning and they will hear a voice, a little crying down there, and they'll look and it's the baby. And the, the mayor's office will call us and give us the baby. And those babies are there, are there now, growing up, going to school, will provide everything. One day, maybe one of them will become the president of Haiti. Can, can we do something right now? 
Can we just, um, just, um, just as a show of support, can you just stretch out your hands to this couple? Somebody, somebody, the kids are, wherever the kids are, just somebody reach out for them too. Father, in the name of Jesus, we, we pray for angelic protection for them, for the Holy Spirit's power over them to know what to do next. In every situation, to know what the next thing is to do, Lord, to know what the next thing is to do, and that the Lord would provide miraculously uh, to them. May we be an answer of our own prayer uh, in these things as well, Father. We pray in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray that this uh, uh, ministry, Lord God, would change that. It already is changing that nation. Father, we pray for government leaders to come out of uh, that, Lord God, with a Christian uh, background, a Christian foundation, so that the nation could experience, once again, uh, food and plenty and health and family. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, give it up for these guys. We love you guys so much. Thanks. All right. Can somebody, yeah, somebody toss that table up for me? Thanks. Thank you, guys. Look at the muscles on those guys, right? Um, I just want to talk a little bit... um, I want to talk this morning about, about human rights and what that actually looks like because you hear a lot about human rights uh, right now, but um, I think the further you get from the survival line, the less you should talk about human rights. We're in a place right now in Canada, we can't even define what a human is anymore. And where in our arrogance, we're like, this is what a human right is. I'm like, you, we can't even define what a man and a woman and a boy and a girl is anymore. And now you're going to define what a human right looks like. You know, I hate to break it to you, but when somebody parks in your parking spot, that is not a hate crime. (laughs) It is not. It's so many things I want to say, but the cameras are on. The further we get from it, the less uh, an actual human right that it is. Now... You know what we're doing right now? We're wasting our entire nation's time trying to define what everybody already knows. I think one trip to the third world, I think that when our hearts get connected to our poor brothers and sisters, I think that then maybe God would start bringing revelation and wisdom back to our nation. And actual light. Now, so many things, so many hurtful things I wrote down here. It is not a human right to be talked to a certain way. We have Rwandans in the house. Okay, one day they're celebrating with a religious ceremony with their neighbors and the next day their neighbors are slaughtering them. So when they come to our nation, human right to them doesn't look like being able to buy all the things that they wanna buy. Human rights to them is like just the, the right to live and not die, to not be butchered in the street, to maybe have food and shelter, but will work for it, and to be treated with human dignity. Human dignity. Um, here, I want you to get your head around this. When we turn away from the poor, we become animals. And there's a dehumanizing that's happened when people come to our nation where they've been treated like animals. They don't want to identify like animals here. When, when Pastor Mark is sold as a child slave, there's this like, no, 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 God, God made humans in the image of God. We sinned, we gave the world to the devil like we get it, we broke it. 
But there is still something in the seed of every heart and every little boy and girl that is still the seed of Christ that Jesus still came to die for that matters. You matter more than you know. When we become animals, you know, animals don't care if their neighbors starve. If you have a cat, your cat doesn't care if you live or die. I hate to break it to you, but cats. But if you saw every person the way that God sees them, as a son or daughter of his, that's hurting and that's broken, that's hungry. I think that there's something that, you know, like, listen, if God didn't create us and we're just a product of evolution, why do you care how you're treated? You're just an animal. Why do you care? Why do you care if you do something that matters in this earth, if you're a product of an accident? You're not an accident. I don't know how you were born. I don't know your story of your, you're not an accident. God saw you, God sees you, and we see you. And if God can take a child slave and give him purpose, I mean, he had to dig deep, but if God gave him purpose and God called him, what is God wanting to do with your life? Take your teenager overseas, blow their minds for the stupidity that they would come back to here. Just blow their minds. I mean, I remember going overseas when I was young and I came back here and I'm like, oh, I can't see the world the way that I saw the world. I don't care about the things that everybody cares about here. I don't even care about those anymore. I want to do something that matters with my life. I want to help people. Um, you know, um, I think the solution is this idea venue of like fasting, going without so that somebody else can have something. Now, fasting is sort of in vogue right now, you know, with, you know, with health. Like I'm going to go without, I'm not going to eat fun food. I'm going to eat food that food eats. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, catch me, catch me. The motivation for most fasting now is a little bit shallow, I think, because we're almost going without things so that we can buy more things for us, right? Or have more things for us. There's a kind of fasting that pleases the Lord more. You know, I was talking with a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine. She said, hey, I can, I can fit back into my wedding dress. Like, I've been getting healthy. And I'm like, that's a mate. That's weird. Like, you're... I don't get that. When you tell a guy, like, I can fit into my original wedding dress. My first, what I said out loud was like, oh, that's amazing. Like, you look great. What I was thinking was, I hate skinny people. I hate people who are in great shape. Like, it's great you have the body of a Greek god. That's great. I have a body that eats tacos sometimes, so... Tell me all about it. Tell me about CrossFit. I'd love to hear about it. I'm not going to do it. I don't want to hear about it. And then I'm like, you can fit in your wedding dress. I'm like, are you, gonna, are you thinking about trading your husband in? Because I've just stayed married to Pastor Dan. He's a great guy. I also said that to her as well. But there's this fasting that's in vogue that it can be for a lot of reasons. But denying yourself has to have a higher purpose than just your personal pleasure tomorrow or buying yourself something more tomorrow. If your life is about your life, then you're kind of missing the entire point here. Um, Isaiah, the prophet, God says through Isaiah, no, this is the kind of fasting I want for those who are wrongly, free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Like who build your shoes. Who make your clothes. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. The ideologies that blind people. 
Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. Even my mother-in-law, especially your mother-in-law. I can't just preach serious all the time. Watch this though. Then your salvation, God, this is for Venue Church right now. Then your salvation will come like the dawn. You came in here, you needed saving from something. Then your salvation will break, will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. You're like, wait, wait, wait. I thought you were talking about healing the wounds of the poor. You want your wounds to be healed? Care about the things that God cares about. You come in thinking about yourself. If you'd left thinking about somebody else, maybe God would fix you too. Maybe that's how it works. Maybe you need to be fed spiritually. Maybe if you came and helped somebody feed somebody physically, maybe God could fix your home. It says right there, then your salvation will come and your wounds will quickly heal. The wounds of your past and the wounds of your hurt. You know what heals wounds? Helping other people with their wounds. Health is for helping. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. It's like, hey, you're tired of the past catching up with you? You want help with your addiction? Feed the poor. It's not connected. Well, you go tell God everything that you think and see if it works. God's like, no, it's connected. Oh, it's connected. When you serve others, come on. I feel like I'm preaching better than you're responding right now. I just need to get that off my chest a little bit. I know you're feeling convicted. Just clap. You know what's easier than feeling convicted is just deciding you're going to do it. Then you can clap and be free and be like, yeah, this is great. I'm going to do this. Okay. A little counsel for you. Verse 9, then when you call, the Lord will answer. What? You feel disconnected from the Lord? Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here, he will quickly reply. Because you heard the cry of the poor. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Like, oh, we're just so much better at business than, the, than they are. When your grandfather, great-grandfather came here, they were fleeing another country that was oppressive, most of us. And they got here, and they're like, we're going to found this nation on the principles of Christ so that we can feed the poor, and so everybody has an equal opportunity. And we knew that our nation was founded on Christ. Now we're like, hey, Jesus, thanks for all your stuff, but we don't need you anymore. We're going to, thanks for all this stuff, it's all about us now. And God's like, no, I gave it to you so that you could feed the poor from where you came. Feed the hungry, help those in trouble, then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry, and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as the rebuilder, as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. I feel that for you guys. So rebuild that nation. You are in that nation because God has called you there. Don't worry about somebody else doing it. God called you there. So keep at that work that you're doing. Restore that nation to the Lord. Some of you will rebuild this nation too. We're not just looking to save our nation. We're looking at other nations too. I think if we get this right, we could help. It doesn't say all of you will. Because not everybody here is going to do something about this. But the ones who do...
oh God, rebuild the walls and restore this, the homes in our nation. Our family practically does this by taking a tenth. We actually give a lot more than that because the Lord just keeps pouring it out. We have more than we know what to do with. We give a tenth, the first tenth, before the government can even touch it and mess it up, which means we give on the biggest part of our income. Why? Because government's a little crazy right now. I don't know if you've been watching the news, but I want the money that goes to them to be tithed on it's called the first tenth. It's the principle of the first tenth. And our family remembers that it's not about our family because we give the tenth back to the Lord, the very bare minimum. Now that tenth goes into the local church. And I want to let you know that every dollar that comes in here, 10 cents goes back to helping the poor and the needy. 4% goes right overseas to help the poor and needy. 3% uh, goes nationally to help build churches and reach our own nation. Another 3% goes right in the city to the food banks and to the pregnancy care centers and to helping people find Jesus and feed right here. But look, that's just the bare minimum. That's just the bare minimum. And I see a future where we give millions and millions and millions of dollars away to help the poor. And I think if we get this right here, we could do that. And it's tax free. Just thought I'd throw that in there for you. If you're angry at the government, why don't you give more to God? Because you think being angry at the government is going to help the government? I think that tithing and giving to the Lord and feeding the poor might help them more than how we're trying to help. You know, uh, Haiti Arias preaches tithing for the people too. Because tithing and giving back to God is how we teach people how to fish. Because God is God here and God is God there. But you know what they need help with? Capital projects. They just don't make enough. Capital projects, disaster relief. Well, here we are. And I want to say that, why don't you let the need that drove you to church this morning drive you to do something this morning? And I'll bet you your light and your salvation, I think that salvation would break over your life as well. I want to challenge every person here who's not engaged and involved in giving to consider giving to the poor. Just pray about it and give whatever God says of his money. It's like God gives you 10 donuts and he's like, hey, can I have one of those back? I need to feed somebody else. And you're like, um, kind of my donuts. God's like, no, I give it to you in the first place. I give that breath that you breathe every day. Just the fact that not every thought is crazy, just most of them. Let's start living and breathing in Christ. Now, I feel like because uh, some of us, we're, we're going to like, we're going to do a praise, a praise party. Because I need to help some of you. Because some of you are like, well, God loves a cheerful giver and I'm just not cheerful. I'm going to say what my dad would say to you. You know what? Give and maybe you'd get happy about it. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength and the happiness belongs to the Lord. And when you remember the poor, the Lord is pleased with you. All right, let's just do a praise party.